Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny PT, and Merry Christmas one and all. Benji's back. How are you? Merry Christmas, boys. I apologize, number one, for, for, for my absence of the last couple of weeks. It wasn't the heart was there, but the reality of the agenda just couldn't make it happen. A shit ton to catch up on. Probably quite useful considering there's been zero rugby on the weekend. Personally, I, I'm, I'm okay. My girls are cars, mega excited about Christmas. You know, seven and four is that moment where everything counts. Everything yes. that's sparkly, yummy, and is good about it. <laughs> and to be honest, they're an absolute lifesaver at the moment. When things can get pretty gloomy and all I need is like a little Christmas song. And I got the two little ones who are bouncing at the back of the car and they're like, yeah, we're gold. So that, that's good. Technically, I submitted my last Oxford assignment today at 12 o'clock, which is a huge relief. So everybody's celebrating on this group of students and I'm the owner. I'm like, guys, <laughs> submitting is not enough. I actually need to pass them. They all know <laughs> that they're going to pass them. You know, I'm the only one, you know, who's sort of, well, yeah, considering the last two, I butchered them. I completely butchered them. I hope the examinators, I'm not listening to this podcast. You have a graduation party a month or so ago, Benji. So another exactly, party. <laughs> exactly. I, mean, I did matriculation in February, 2020. For me, that was my graduation. And and then obviously, well, I'm sure you guys are going to ask me about Dubai because you're very, very jealous. But I did bump <laughs> into some Oxford um, sort of cohort members uh, in Dubai. So that's that's how far my network is. Between Clermont-Ferrand and London, I was all right. Now Dubai is just a, a different um, different level. Not much rugby to talk about, but you've been playing. So come on. I have been playing and I was I was shitting myself. I really was. I go to the gym. I, I coach, you know, Tom Draws with David Strettel and all my mates and stuff. So I do all the fitness with them. I'm that idiot, you know, who, who doesn't do the training, but only does the fitness and goes next to the guys. Come on, you got to move. But um, because I want to feel my ego get a little bit better because I don't, I can run decently compared to them. Uh, well, to some of them, don't get me wrong. There's some of them. Some of them are very fit. But no, it's, it's the old, it's the old, you know, the same story as Rodrigo Oncero calls me up and I couldn't resist to go and give him a big bear hug and spend some time with him. A, a guy that I've known for the last, 20 years calls me up six months ago who technically was my first agent and really helped me out a guy called Laurent Guettard um, who's involved in like sporting marketing in France and he's like man I've got these guys in Dubai he's head of a tourism officer they're throwing this team called the French Frogs Legends and it's for this Vets tournament in Dubai have you ever been to Dubai 7 no have you ever heard of it yes 
it's like 70,000 people who want to go on the piss. I think Dubai Sevens is the only one where there's social teams absolutely everywhere around it. And so it's a big, it's a big party, right? Everybody's laughing and having fun. And that was seven months ago. And I was like, yeah, yeah why not? But to be honest, if I'm going to justify this, it needs to be work-related. But all the sponsors that they're having there are all top French companies. You can imagine that, you know, sort of the Dubai being a huge center of, of world economy, the type of French companies we're talking about, L'Oréal, Total, Accor, Veolia, all those monsters. And me and Rory Lawson, your mate, Johnny, we're doing quite a lot of leadership development at the time and stuff. And so there was another way of, of making it work. So we would play a bit of rugby, get some sponsorship, but also actually work there. So selling that to, to, to my wife was pretty easy. You know, th three days of rugby, a day or two of work. Does that work? Yeah. Except I accepted some more work after and some more work before back in France. So I was gone for a whole week. That didn't go down well, very well. Um, I'm a very poor planner, I must say. But the work was great. The connections were great. And two days of rugby were just mega, mega, mega fun. It was incredible. So I was pooping myself before the first game. And then you would come up against a team of no disrespect guys that were 250 years old, but Andrew Trimble, boom, just there, you know, in front. And he was looking at me, giving me a wink, wink. He was not interested in even going to third gear. So it was okay. He was, he was still faster than me, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't like outpacing us completely. But 40 degrees, old mates that I haven't seen for 20 years, Remy Martin, uh, who I started and started with for a couple hey, of years. He's a dangerous man. What do you mean? Well, every time I see him, he's on like a two-day, like he can go and he can go and he can go and he loses me on the first night, but he has, <laughs> he's got some power. He's a freak show. Nah, he's, he's, he's a top boy uh, awesome who, who, loves, who, loves a, who loves a bit of party. But to be fair, we didn't go hard out. It was just so much fun to be outside in the sun, having a few beers, watching rugby. So every 10 meters, there's a guy I haven't seen for, for 10 years. In my team, there's guys I haven't seen for 20 years. I scrummage with Christian Califano, Lucid, and Omar Hassan Taited. There's, you know, 250 international caps around me. I am over the moon. It was just that type of, of, of brotherhood sort of moment. I bumped into Tom Varndale, who I first played in, in Leicester with. And then you bump into Jason Robinson. And then obviously Hask is there because he's DJing and all that. And I'm just thinking the, the rugby community is tiny. It's a tiny little spot in the world. And whenever you meet everybody in Dubai, everybody's have, having fun. It was extraordinary. And on top of that, I must uh, take my hat off to the Sevens boys. It's the first time that I get to watch some actual modern Sevens from the touchline. My word, are they fit? Do they go fast? And are they big? I didn't notice the Sevens players were that big. They're absolute monsters. It's a lot more violent than I remember Sevens being. It's so intense because it's so quick. So overall, extraordinary experience. Dubai is just a special place when the sun is out and in an extraordinary event in the middle of the of the desert. They build the stadium just for, for that purpose. It's just it's just a cool event. Uh, the body wasn't shattered too much because honestly, <laughs> the intensity wasn't there. And we did pace ourselves by, you know, chopping beers all day, obviously. And, and that was all good. Do we believe this? I was going to say two days of rugby. I was expecting a week of recovery, at least, Johnny. <laughs> all I know is Andrea listens to the podcast, so that's what she needs to know. I, I wanted to ask you, like you mentioned you you said you were pooping yourself. Like I did one of these tours with the, the classic Lions. I went to Bermuda. And in the very first game, Ryan Grant, who's a British Lions uh, loose head prop, played for Scotland with me. He dislocated his shoulder in like the third action of the game. Then in like the second half, our second row, a guy called Chris Bentley, played for Exeter, spiral fracture in his ankle. And I was like, mate, this is my first time and the last time I'm ever doing this. Like it freaked me out. And physically now I've got no desire to go back. Like even these types of tournaments, I'm like, what if? Like it, it scares me. So how are you with the physical bits? Because now that we're two years out of it, did you find it okay? Or were you a little bit hesitant? No, no. So so one for one, um, Laurent Guitar, so my mate who got me into this, 
had already played the tournament the year before. Too. Well, obviously, there wasn't one the year before, but two years before. And he's 51. Okay. <laughs> so there's already that, that age gap. It's only for the over 36. So I'm 37. I was considered to be sort of one of the youngest all this day. He was like, listen, you can trust me. There is zero intensity. And to be honest, it was the rucks were very chilled. The boys had a big nice. smile on their face. Everybody was playing around. And we played in like international vets. But then there's international vets social, and we were in the social. Oh, that's <laughs> which me. was a great shout. <laughs> Sign which, me was up. A, which was a great idea. I mean, to tell you, like, listen, kick off Andrew Trimble. Looks, it's like bling bling. They just the boys just wanted to have fun. It's seven minutes. Seven minutes. <laughs> I mean, there's kickoff. I was already asking the ref, how long is that? Left? Oh, five minutes. Okay, <laughs> it's it's all right. You can rotate whenever you want. I just I was apprehensive of. You don't want to disappoint, right? I'm, I'm sort of the young fellow. You want to be good. <laughs> you have to be good. I mean, you, you have to sort of do well and bring to the old fellas. And so the, the, the guys who are actually organizing this, the, Dubai, the French Dubai guys, right, for them, it's the World Cup. It's the Lions Tour. They absolutely love it. It's their moment to shine. But I understand. I mean, when we had the lineup that we, we, they put together, it was like 400 French caps and stuff. And we were all like a bunch of 16-year-olds just having fun, jumping on the bus, singing songs in the morning, and then chopping beers once once it was done and catching a bit of sun. So, yeah, rien à jeter, nothing to throw. So given that you had to be good, Benji, do you want to throw out any names? Anyone you run over the top of, ran round? No, but no, 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 no. I, I, I scored, a, I, I did score a 50-meter try. I'm surprised you guys didn't mention it because I think it was all over the web. Is there evidence? Yeah. Can we see the <laughs> yeah, clip? Of course. I mean, it was all over the web, but you guys just didn't didn't follow. Um, send it to us. You'll send it to Jali, us? But Jalil Nargisi, who's a good 10 years uh, older than me, caught up with me, at in, I don't know, in about four seconds. That's to tell you the top maximum speed that I was at. And I still managed to score. I think it was one of them that some time time guys just stopped walking. You just stopped even walking. You know, they're like, yeah, just go on, score, it's fine. So it's it's not top intensity, not top level. We did manage to lose because we got pumped in the, sec- in, in, in the semi because we played against a team mainly English and Irish and whatever who were well up for it. Hoolala. And Benji's been busy. Johnny, you've had an eventful week as well. You left the south of France and set off for Glasgow just after we recorded last week, well before the travel restrictions came into force. So I imagine that was straightforward, eh? You, you would think so, Tim. You would think it would be straightforward. Uh, we were due to leave Biarritz Airport at six o'clock. Um, but around eight o'clock that morning, there was the heaviest and lowest fog you've ever seen hit the city. So every other flight got rerouted to either Bordeaux, Lourdes, or Pau. Um, we got to the airport around four. Everything was cancelled. They were told, look, we could even look. We saw on like our live flight tracker that our plane literally turned around and was heading to Bordeaux. We're like, oh, we're going to Bordeaux. So we, we sat and waited. They organized a bus for us. So we got on a bus maybe about half past nine. We got to the airport by four o'clock with three small children, three under five, which as you can imagine, the only thing open was one vending machine, which got looted fairly quickly. No cafes, no restaurants. The bus got us up there. We got into London at something like 2 a.m. So it was not the most easy of journeys, but we got there. I think there's going to be people worse off who don't make it and things are going to get a lot worse over the next couple of weeks. So it was not easy, but we got to London, got to our hotel. We got four hours sleep with the kids and then we got our next flight up to Glasgow the next day. So it was a fairly stinking 48 hours. But look, we're really happy to be back. Also, it's been nice. My little sister got a Sports Personality of the Year award um, from the BBC last night, which was really cool. The Helen 
Helen Rollison Award um, from BBC Sports. So it's been really cool to celebrate with her. We're all a bit dusty today. We had way too much to drink last night watching it together on TV and celebrating as a family. So that was really cool. There was a emotional video that you were a part of as well and you yep. made it home to celebrate all together so i mean that must have been it made made the traveling worthwhile for sure and then um, yeah you must be proud of it oh, no it was epic absolutely and again people again we put a little video on they put one on bbc sport we shared it on our social media but again people want other stories so, so halfway through the pandemic she got diagnosed with breast cancer she got diagnosed but then we couldn't see her she, she couldn't travel home to see mom and dad she couldn't see us in France. So she she ultimately had to just rely on her teammates to be her family throughout the process of being diagnosed with breast cancer at age 30 and going through the process of how does this work? How do I get it out? How do I get radiotherapy? How do I heal? And the whole way through it, she's normally an extremely private person. And this is the amazing bit. She had the medical team, the support of her teammates at Arsenal, who were superb. But she then decided to use her platform with social media and with Arsenal women and with Scottish women uh, with the football sides to use it to educate other people and raise awareness and say, look, if you've got a lump, go and get checked. So that's why the award came from BBC Sports Personality to recognise the amazing work she'd done in the wider world during a pandemic, through COVID, through the use of social media and through friends and network to raise awareness for cancer research and, and say, look, if you've got lumps or bumps, go and check yourself out, go and get checked and, and try and nip it in the bud. So extremely proud of her. We're very lucky that she's still here. We can all get a bit down at this time of year and when we're hearing things on the news but um stories like that benji is inspiration for us all a hundred percent it puts everything back in perspective um just it's, it's it's so inspiring and heartwarming to know that you know the power of the human brain and 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 when people are well surrounded and when you've got you know when you when your heart is filled with love and your brain is ready never to give up nothing's impossible and it's just extraordinary i'm, I'm just happy that she got acknowledged in such a way because i realize how big this is in the uk by being here and 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 just huge huge congratulations to her but to the whole family i think you, you guys well deservedly can be extremely proud it's pretty unreal it's almost like i don't know like having a good podcast about french rugby it's almost as, good <laughs> as that. But, same level but the coolest bit about it is through pandemics and shit times one of the best thing again for us not being able to be there as a family for her in person has been team sport like whether it be rugby whether it be football it doesn't matter a, you're keeping yourself socially active but the social network like you just mentioned that benji in your dubai you go to dubai you've got a social network from claremont from rugby clubs from education and that was the really amazing thing for us as a family was that it was her football family that looked after her and got her through it and that's the same in football clubs or rugby clubs it's it's irrelevant the sport but the power of having those friendships and bonds and teammates to pull you through things when other people can't be there so um yeah we're incredibly proud of her but also of her team of her support staff the medical staff the coaching team that rallied around her and looked after as well because we couldn't be there so a big thank you to them too well there wasn't too much inspiring about the champions cup this weekend but <laughs> we should talk about some professional rugby um not just benji's exploits in dubai there was one french team that played in the champions cup so we will chat about them in a bit, but just take us back to Friday because the French government imposed travel restrictions with the UK starting at midnight on Saturday. And then there was a big meeting of all the French clubs at lunchtime on Friday. So what do we know about what went on in that meeting and what transpired? Is that one for me? Are you asking me like if I was in the, in the meeting? <laughs> I, have no, I have no clue. I assume you've got the finger on the pulse, Benji. You know what happens in all these French political no, meetings. So to 
to be to be fair, I did follow that pretty closely because I was due to work on the on the Clermont Sale game. So I was really shocked. I, I could have seen all the boys and stuff, even though the team would have been largely um, changed and there was a lot of of young faces and stuff. But still, it would have been really cool to catch up with a couple of the boys. But they were very doubtful that the game was ever going to be held anyway. They were not allowed to to pick any players that were non-vaccinated, and some guys still aren't apparently for personal reasons. On top of that, uh, the week before, Gilles Concorier, the big number six, tested positive. Camille Lopez was cat contact, and so they had to wait. And you know, so all those things that keep on keep on adding up. And they they knew that it wasn't good. Apparently, the Clermont boys told me that there was another positive case in them in their ranks anyway. So they they always they knew that it, it was going to be very unlikely. But what I heard is that the, that last final meeting was to say, right, both both teams, all the teams were allowed to travel, but. What happens if one of them tests positive when they're testing before they travel back? Do they need to isolate in the foreign country or can they still allow to to travel and to isolate at least at home because it's Christmas? To be fair, I, I couldn't understand how they could have made that decision public. How the hell can a government be like, all right, it's fine now, don't worry. You guys can fly back. It's impossible, right? So I think it's only normal that they they canned it. Uh, for they canned it. They didn't allow it in mo- most cases. Um, and and that's why all the teams who who, who didn't go is because they didn't get the, that authorization. So yes, people say that we, they could have canned the whole round, maybe, but we're still happy to see a couple of games. Or I mean, I think Cast were still glad that they went to Munster, even though they lost by a close margin. But still, it's a proper trip. You know, it's a proper t- uh, stadium. It's, it's exactly what we love love about European rugby, and they're there to, there to prove it. To, yes, is the Champions Cup of Shambles this year, 100%. Are we back into uh, Exeter who won it, what is it, last year? But then they 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 forfeited, oh no, it was, that was two years ago, but they forfeited in Toulouse, you know, that first pool game. Yes, of course, it's going to be mega, mega complicated. I think it's Sale that rocked up in quarterfinals by not winning one game. You know, there's like some extraordinary things like that. Is it unfair? Yes, of course. But is it bigger than us? Yes, of course, too. And they've got to take decision. And whenever we can play rugby, which is just exactly like you said, happy that some guys play from time to time. And the others, when they don't, then we'll think about Johnny's sister and be like, there's some smarter, braver you know, more more powerful hearted people in, uh, around there. Let's focus on them rather than our little sorrow. And Johnny, we know that out of that meeting on Friday, apparently the French clubs were unanimously in favour of the whole of round two being postponed. So would that have been preferable or, or was it right to play the games that, that got played? I think if you do, again, you can't choose the time scale because we're not governments. They're, they're dictated to by the government. So they've made the best decision with what they've got. Um I was meant to be working like you, Benji, for the BT game, the Bath La Rochelle game. So I was messaging the, the La Rochelle boys and they were the exact same. They were ready to travel, ready to go. And around about midday on Friday, they got the, the boys, it's postponed, everyone just go home. So they'd done their team run, they were ready to get on the plane and, and then the U-turned. And it is a shame because they absolutely love this competition. Like Ehia West spoke to us last week about how much they enjoyed playing against Glasgow, the difference of breaking away from top 14 and the marathon and the different types of refereeing and the playing strategies and the people you're playing against, the variation and... The history of the competition is, for me, the best competition. Look, it's a shame, but they've done the best they can. And yes, it would be best to postpone every single game in round two, but some people had already travelled. <laughs> like some teams were already on their way. 
now that it's going to come down to where can they find space to play these games? A, are we going to get completion of rounds three and four? And then even if they do get rounds three and four played, where are they going to find space? Are they going to maybe break off one of the round of one of the knockout games and just make it one leg or just knock away two of them and just play quarterfinal? How are they going to find space to, to get these games played? Because there's no way you can find an extra weekend between Six Nations, Top 14, Premiership. It's impossible. So... Look, it's not ideal. Nobody wants to see it. You want to see the competition played the right way because it's the best competition. But as we've all seen the past couple of years, we aren't the normal time. So suck it up and get on with it. And Cask were the one French club that did play away at Munster because that's in Ireland and the same travel restrictions aren't in place there as with the UK. But their president came out and said they didn't want to play. He also described the situation as absurd. Is he right? I think if you look at the body language, uh, he's, saying, he's saying one thing for the club, but maybe isn't in the best interest to... But the players didn't show that. The players actually, from a really mixed team of guys that hadn't played in a while, youthful guys that we haven't seen much of, really kind of fronted up. Um, and although it wasn't a fantastic game of rugby, it was typical cast. Like Benji and I both played there. It was dogged. It was aggressive. It was in your face. It was right to the end. Um so actually, the coaching staff will kind of be happy with the exercise. Like they've had another game under their belt, no big bad injuries, game time for some key people before they go into the big Christmas game. So look, the, the whole situation is absurd and it will continue to be absurd. But actually, they quit themselves really well in what can't have been an easy game and an easy situation. And they've shown they were cap- capable of being agile, adapting and, um, and and fronting up away against one of the biggest sides historically in European competition. So I think it's different from for Pierre Rivervol's point of view and thinking for the club and cast on a sort of wider um, wider scale. But in terms of the actual guys, the coaching staff and, and the players that were put out on the field, they actually did a really good job. But from a club perspective, Benji, he says they didn't have a choice because of the financial implications as well as the sporting sanctions after that meeting on Friday. Is that is that right? I, I just think the, the the clubs are le cul entre deux chaises. They're, they're the ass between two seats. It's impossible for them. We've heard that phrase a few times, haven't we? They are. <laughs> Man, it's 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 it, it's it's back into into the same thing. I think what he's saying is that if all those games are going to uh, have to be fitted at some point, if if like Johnny said, if the two legs of uh, eight to final are then going to be summed up to one, then why play one game and not the others, and why not just can the whole thing? True. But I think you never need to forget that those games are being played for the players. Yeah, but they're also being played for the guys who watch them. And people love to see a bit of rugby at the moment where it's a bit gloomy and and, and, and all dark. So I, th- I think that the person is just fighting for his own little interests. I feel that like for all those clubs, what matters is top 14. And you can't, you you cannot, you know, jeopardize any of that. And that's no disrespect. I, th- I feel definitely that's the priority for a club like Castre. Um, And so they're thinking, imagine if, one gets positive they can't come back um you know there's there's going to be a whole shambles when the players being 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 pissed off or being away from the families for 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 christmas and that means that it's going to postpone another top 14 game it's it's a another income loss because there's a home game that will need to be played during the week you know all those stuff that that's the implications that they're thinking about so between finance being tight between everything being very blurry back to being very blurry for the next couple of weeks yes it is complicated now he can say whatever you want what matters is is the boys fronting up and just by seeing their proud faces at, at, at that time i think they respected the jersey they respected the stadium because limerick stadium tomon park is, is a proper place to play rugby and i think in every single um uh, rugby player's mind to go there is a proper challenge and when you front up that way you can be very proud of yourself when you consider 
Cast had lost 26 of the last 27 away games in the competition. Munster have only ever lost five home games. That margin, they were good, weren't they? They were. They were good, but like, like it's two teams that are actually pretty, relatively similar in, in the way that they uh, address rugby. Extremely physical, very, very aggressive, and uh, maybe with a tiny bit more structure and, and discipline on the Munster side, a bit more flair and un- unpredictability on, on the cast side. And obviously the, the 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 dominant force would have been Munster on paper. They're at home and you know they need to prove. But but two teams who 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 can seriously, you know, front up and and address that physical side of rugby. So I, I think both teams would be happy with the result because Munster just needed to win. Cast needed to to show up, prove they've got nothing to hide, and then move on from it. And Rory Cocker was marched back 10 meters after repeatedly being warned for giving the refs some back chat. And that's a week after he was caught shouting bullshit or something at the referee. So is this a, a growing issue in the game? Is it just Rory Cocker? Is he one of the worst defenders? What do you reckon, Benji? Well, yes and no. I reckon there was a lot more flying words in good old days, but you couldn't catch them because there was no ref mics. But um, is Rory Cocker going to change? Nope. Is he is he, is he very li- uh, lippy? Is that how you say? Yeah. Yep. Uh, 100%. A thousand percent. Is he a number nine that needs to be a little bit like that? Well, yes, there's another argument to be made. Is his whole game, but to be fair, Johnny, you can't deny that. That's Castle's game. They want to make you lose your shit. They want to push you right away to the edge and, and to be there. And they've always been like that. And Babio is like that. And Holy Cocot is like that. And with the French team, we used to tell him to shut up quite a lot. But is it part of his game? Is it um, harmless? Absolutely. Is it getting out of hand? I don't think so. It's just that now you can hear it a lot more. And and is Rory out of hand? Yes, but he's not the only one and it's pretty harmless. It's just part of his number nine attitude that you need to be on the edge anyway. Johnny, you played with him too. <laughs> Give us your insight. And then who else is in that bracket with Rory Cocker as the worst defenders? Honestly, he's in a league of his own. Like, I played with him. He's hilarious as well. But the antag- antagonistic point of his personality is unlike any other that I've come across in rugby. He absolutely lives for it. And that's not just with opposition. He's like that in training with his teammates. Um, so don't don't just think that that's just at the weekend for cameras. Although I think there's a bit of him that loves that as well. Being on top 14, Canal Plus cameras and playing up because geez, does he play up. But I think he would actually be a better rugby player if he minimalized it a little bit. If he spent less time gesticulating, being OTT with the refs and with opposition and just like stuck to his game because he's a seriously talented rugby player. And look, he, def- he he divides and he splits opinion in France. Like he's like Marmite. You either love Rory or you hate Rory. And he absolutely loves that as well. He thrives on it. So um, he's announced his retirement at the end of the year. You've got six months left. Either enjoy loving him or enjoy hating him when he plays. And I think he's going to go into coaching it with Cast as well. So like, geez, as well, like just the personality, like managing the guy, like you said, Benji, like the amount of times you told him maybe to shut up with the French side, but the amount of times you have scraps or training but it'd be amazing to see him as a coach I've got no idea what he'd be like as a coach how he would get on with that because he is in his own mind he does his own thing and I have no idea how that would translate to the coaching world but you're certainly always in a better place when you've got Rory on your team let's just say that as opposed to playing against them because geez does he wind boys up it is Christmas if we were picking a pantomime villain of rugby it'd be Rory Cockett right he's up there a hundred percent I can't think of it can you think of anyone that divides opinion worse or better than that in top 14 I, I didn't understand that pantomime thing, but I see, I see your, your question. <laughs> if if it's about somebody who who divides opinion, mate, there's one at the moment that is is calling causing all sorts of upset. Is Teddy Toma when he you know he took the piss out of out of Santi Caldero and stuff. Yeah. So you don't know. I still think it's pretty harmless when Mathieu Jalibert 
what is it? He went to tap on thingies' heads, you know, back in cast. That's just a little bit too far. But I'm not gonna, never going to forget that I, I started playing rugby with Sylvain Marconnet, who was definitely by a mile the lippiest guy you would ever seen. And he would throw some things that if they got caught on ref mic, it would have caused him serious, serious trouble. Yes, it was hilarious. It was super funny when you were not at the back end of that banter, when you were playing with him. I was like, please shut up, Silva. They're going to kill us. They're actually going to pull out some knives and some and, and some guns. And I'm, they're going to shoot me. They're not going to shoot you. But I'm like, for him, I'm like, fair play. He played in a confrontational position. I'm like, oh, that's, that's different to being a scrum half. That's different to being a scrum half and hiding behind everyone, you know? But like, if you're front row and you're still dishing it and getting away with it respect that's next yeah, level there's, there's loads there's there's the, oh, that's what i'm trying to say there's loads of guys who are always been on the edge you know are they are they just too much or are they okay um and, and i don't think it's ever going to change and going back just briefly to the off-field issues the politics the logistics do you think there's any way we're going to see rounds three and four in mid-january as scheduled or not I've got no clue, mate. I'm I'm hoping I got my booster today. Woo! So I hope I hope that a lot of people do it. I mean, I look at it. I think in France and England, it's like a million people a day can get their boosters. So I'm hoping that in a month's time, you know, you can have a seriously different sort of scenario. I am dreading to see an empty stadium again. That would be a killer. I do not think they will cut the games completely. I think they will still play them behind closed doors or whatever it is, but that still is, you know, we've been there. It's zero fun. So I do not have anything to do apart from pushing people to stay safe, do what they're told, get vaccinated if you believe that's a good thing, but I, I believe it. And, um, and, and let's hope for the best. But it's the travel restrictions, isn't it, between France and the UK that are the issue, Johnny? So is, the, is there any way that they're going to be lifted? You'll know more about this by... The middle of January when we need them to be? It all goes down to exemptions. So it's the way it was six months ago, 12 months ago. If you're part of a sporting bubble, an elite sporting team, the same way that Benji and I were elite sporting commentators, which was ridiculous. But it all goes down to those exemptions. If governments think that professional sports should go ahead, they'll be allowed to travel and the games will go on. But like Benji said, for fans being in stadiums, that's the different question. So I'm just hoping this variant is way less aggressive. It seems to be good news coming out of South Africa that isn't causing too much damage. And hopefully we can just get past it, move on and get back to normal as soon as possible. So fingers crossed. And EPCR, I've got a couple of weeks to see how the situation develops and weigh up their options. But people are already probably getting ahead of themselves a little bit and talking about similar solutions to last year, I guess, where we go straight through to a knockout stage in April, maybe not have the two-legged round of 16. So a lot of water to go under the bridge before then. But could you see that happening, Benji? I, I don't even want to think about it, to be fair. Like I, I don't even want to go there. If if it's if it's really the last chance, you know the 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 the, the absolute work back backs to the wall. We need to do something about it. Yes, of course. And and you ask me in January, and I'll be the positive guy, and we'll we'll try to say rugby's got its role to play in it. Then we just want to see some positive rugby played on the field. Even if there's no fans, we'll still make it work. We've got great commentators out there that will make you <laughs> get off your seats even without in the twenty thousand people out there. Yes. But now I'm just crossing every single finger that I've got to to make sure that it doesn't happen. Now, basically, you're asking me to predict the future. I've got no clue. I'm just hoping for, I'm hoping that nothing changes. And like you alluded to earlier, you just don't want it to be a hollow tournament. You just hope that it isn't the case that teams are picking up 28-0 victories, getting buys, ending their way with a chip and a chair in the quarterfinals of a Champions Cup. 
and winning would just be hollow. And again, there would be that little asterisk that we talk about next to their game. Was it actually deserved? Was it merited? We don't know. We just want games to be played. We want to watch it as a spectacle. You want fans to be in the stadiums and you want to have the best sides playing against each other. So difficult to thrash out. Well, they're going to have to wait over Christmas and see what comes from governments, but you just want the best European teams going up against each other and crushing it. So fingers crossed, that's what we'll get. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Right, we need a bit of uplifting. It's about time we did our meter moment of the week, isn't it? Ooh. Not a huge amount of French involvement in Europe this weekend. So I'm intrigued where you're going to go with this. Do you want to take it away, Benji? Wait, I've got, I've got one. I've got one heater moment when you want to talk about being hot, hot. It can't be a 50 meter try in Dubai. It's, it's not a 50 meter try <laughs> it is. In, in Dubai because, because people would ask for evidence and then obviously... <laughs> it doesn't exist, mate. Oh, mate, you would see that little tiny French truck just going, you know, very, very slow. And that would, that would have been me. No, my, I, just a huge shout out to Leicester Tigers. Leicester Tigers, again, another consecutive win with a rotated squad uh, beating Connick at home. I don't think we've mentioned it in the last couple of weeks, but I'm just so personally chuffed that they, they're doing so well. Weird news about Elis Genge leaving, but you got to respect the, the, the personal decision about going to, to Bristol. Uh, no, just just... The, the work of of uh, Borthwick and all his staff and stuff, and just super happy for to, to, to see them back on the front foot, back out there, beating Bordeaux and Bordeaux without, what, three or four of their best players, to be totally honest. Uh, and they keep on winning, and they rotate again. And yes, maybe Konak uh, were, were not the, the, the absolute number one team, 
and they had to rotate too. But just a huge shout out, the Miami Turf moment is just the incredible series that is still ongoing of unbeaten since last June, I think it is, Leicester Tigers beating Connacht at home on, on Sunday and absolutely flying into this premiership. Champions Cup, well-deserved. It's not just an accident. It's a cultural change that is now delivering and giving giving it on, on the pitch, which is fantastic on a personal note to see, but I think everybody's happy to see them back. What do you reckon, Johnny? I think he's got it. Um, <laughs> again, mate, battling. So mine was going to be Glasgow beating Exeter. No one saw it. Exactly. <laughs> In a game that nobody saw because it was impossible to see the game. You got Richie Gray going up against his little brother, Johnny. Glasgow, again, have been sort of up and down. They completely lack that consistency you just talked about, Benji, but that was a huge statement went for them. Like, physicality, they just bullied Exeter. And so, yeah, so maybe that's a mark of a team that's maybe on its way onto something. Again, the stadium's just around the corner from my parents' house. We thought about going, but COVID shot on that as well. But again, just a great win for them. It was hilarious watching part of it on TV because you couldn't see a bloody thing. So amazed that you managed to string that performance together and absolutely dominate Exeter. But I think you're right. I'll give you your one, Benji. Leicester have been utterly dominant uh, and they've strung together, as you said, so many performances together. So I'll go with you. Meter moment of the week this week is Leicester Tigers. There we go. That was Johnny and Benji's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer. They've made over 9 million cooks better with their revolutionary app as well. So it's no surprise their users are growing rapidly every day. If you've ever said your pork or turkey's dry, then meters for you. And you can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan. Enter a whole new world of cooking and join the metaverse at meter.com. Just use the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout for 10% off any full price item as well. And we mentioned last week that we had a giveaway coming with meter it'll be on social media in the coming days a meter plus festive bundle to give away all you have to do is follow us on instagram or twitter follow meter as well tag someone in it who would love to cook with a meter for christmas worth over 150 quid johnny 250 quid apparently um but look you get a meter thermometer in it so all the essentials to help you nail your christmas day turkey a bit of beef your steak whatever you're doing there's also mitts to help you take out of the oven or to keep warm if you're a bit cold over christmas <laughs> use the mitts for for that and there's a nice bottle opener as well so all the bits you need for christmas and as tim said you just follow us on social media and tag somebody under the post and it could be you there we go. Will a Mr. B. Kayser from Tunbridge Wells be entering? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I would love to. I think that's a seriously good, um, it's a seriously good gift. I need to up my game in terms of barbecue, and that's the perfect, perfect tool. What are we all having for Christmas dinner this year? Turkey, beef, goose. I'm lucky that my mother-in-law, my beautiful uh, mother-in-law, is a hell of a cook. And so she does gammon, turkey, different type of stuffings, the proper English uh, Christmas, pigs in bank, blanket. I discovered that. That's good. That's very good. Do you not have them in France? No, 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 no. No, I'll, I'll give you. So that's that. All the all the things that we do uh, in, in England. I really like uh, Christmas pudding and all that stuff. France would be different. France for for one, I used to do it with my parents on the twenty fourth at night. It's more of a dinner thing, not so much. And then a Christmas on the twenty fifth, you would still do it, but you know, with some other families and stuff. It would be more. There would be some langoustines and some oysters, maybe as as a starter. And then you could have a goose, a duck, or something. We would go geese, goose, whatever, a goose, um, as as a main uh, stuffed and stuff. I always think it's it's delicious. And then you would have twelve type of different desserts. You know, it's like to to say because of the twelve. I don't know what. These are Christmas. <laughs> twelve different Christmas uh, things. So that's something that's already different. But 
No, no Christmas sandwich. That doesn't exist in, in France. No, no, no. We don't do that stuff. We just get pissed and, and eat some delicious foods and then just, you know, stick to the desserts until, until you pass out. So you're having an English Christmas dinner, Benji, but I if am. there was one, one French element that you could add in there that you can take with you, what's the one French element you'd bring? <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. It's got to be the seafood, right? No, but the wine, I'm, no. I'm going to get in trouble. Well, the wine is French. That's just a given. <laughs> all right. And and you know, my father-in-law's got a good collection, so we're sorted. And I'll bring some, but we're we're good. Oysters, to be totally honest, there's some fantastic oysters in England too. So that's that's not so much the issue. But we don't have them at Christmas dinner. We don't. We wouldn't normally have oysters, so you can bring ah, them. Don't worry, I've influenced it already. We're already <laughs> there. We're making taking the best out of both worlds. But I would I would throw in a, a, a goose from time to time. Turkey is good, but I love the stuffing, and the stuffing is not turkey. <laughs> so, so it could be anything else. It would be all right. Goose, when it's good, is out flipping standing. Johnny, how's your Christmas dinner looking? I think it's going to be saved by mother-in-law. Again, you mentioned those magic words, and we're at Jen's parents for Christmas, so I'm actually more worried about how many kilos are going to be piled on over the next two weeks. And she actually does. She does honey glazed honey glaze and mustard dipped sausages that you then get to dip in ketchup. There's no wrapped in bacon, but um, they're a banging starter and then turkey with all the trimmings. So looking forward to it. And the one thing I would take from France that I absolutely love that we've never done in the UK or in Scotland has been the seafood. I love in France the seafood. Everyone has fruits de mer. That's where everyone had when we were Montpellier, cast and in, in Bayonne. That's where everybody still has. And it's a big part of the tradition. We don't have it in the UK. That's the one thing I would bring over because it's banging. Um, but no, looking forward to it. Looking forward to some family time, eating and drinking way too much and rolling myself back to France, hopefully, if borders open again in the new year. Sounds delicious. And no skinfold tests. Now your commentators and boxing. <laughs> That's done, mate. That is done. Let's have a quick look ahead to the top 14's festive fixtures before we go then. Which ones are you looking forward to in particular? Benji, it's your favourite game on Boxing Day, isn't it? Brief, Be careful. Be don't careful, get in trouble. Be- beautiful, brief town. I don't know if you guys have ever been, but it's it's well worth a trip. Oh, my words. No, no, no. Well, people still hate me there. Don't get me wrong. Um, I will still back what I say. I, I still don't really believe it's an extraordinary derby in the sense that it's quite far, but we all love a rivalry, brief play with a phenomenal amount of heart and, and determination, and they well deserve uh, to, to, be, to be where they are in the sense that it's a tiny little town that does extremely well with a beautiful stadium to be right in the center of town to be proud of what they're doing. And Clermont, Clermont are a bit up and down, so I think it's going to be a tricky one. You've got to be very careful in Clermont not to, not to throw away the main ingredients because otherwise, you know, it's a brief is a proper weight for call. If you try to overplay, if you try to think that you're too big, too, too beautiful, too quick, they're there to slap you around the face. So I still have some extremely fond memories of playing in Brave, or proper stadium that is. Now all the rest and all the idiots that are calling me uh, all those names afterwards because they weren't happy about what they do. Well, they can come and tell it to me next time I'm in Brave. I'll be very happy to speak to them. But but no, no, a, a proper game of rugby, a proper confrontation between two teams and, and two ways of doing it. Just a bit distant for me to be a, a proper derby, but still a hell of a game. What do you think? Johnny Brave could win that, couldn't they? Yeah, they could. They're horrible to play against in brief. They're a good, aggressive team. They're well organized by Jeremy Davidson. And Claremont, again, have been kind of shaky in a few of the games we've watched so far this season. They've been up and down. Sometimes they've been phenomenal. Others, they've been a little bit unsure of themselves. So it's a big game for them. And then, look, there's loads of big games. Again, back to top 14. Every single weekend, there are big games. So the Classico, as they call it, Stade Toulousain against Stade Francais, that's always a big game. 
Stade Francais just nicked that win against La Rochelle at home last top 14 round. So that's a huge game for them going to Toulouse. You've got Biarritz at home to Montpellier. You've got Racing at home to Pau. La Rochelle-Lyon, again, that's a huge game of rugby. Toulon against Bordeaux. You've got Cheslin Colby back in action, bat thick and playing. He played against Zebra at the weekend. They'll be looking for a huge impact from him. So, look, you've got loads of people and loads of games that are extremely important. And every single one now counts. You get to Christmas, New Year, Perpignan at home to cast. It's a huge game for Perpignan. Again, down the wrong end of the table. Biarritz as well at home. So, look, every single game now counts. The familiarity, the getting into the top 14 is now finished. It's now make or break for all these sides. And it's um, it's not easy. And the pick the fixtures just keep piling up. So, another exciting weekend of top 14 rugby ahead of us. And it wouldn't be a week in French rugby without some transfer activity and, and gossip, would it? And some of it this week revolves around coaches. So, Michael Checker has been linked with the coaching job at Narbonne, who are bottom of Pro de Deux, and lost 70-0 to Oyana at the weekend. So that'll look surprising to many, but he does live in the area, doesn't he? And um, the president of Narbonne didn't exactly rule it out recently when he spoke in the media. Who is going to pay Michael Checker to be the coach of Narbonne? It's ludicrous. He lives in the area, but is that really going to happen? There's no way. No way. If it happens, it'll be as real as Benji's 50-metre try is all I'm saying. Like, that is... <laughs> That's crazy. I thought you were going to put a wager on it then, Johnny. If it happens, no, I will. <laughs> but look, knowing knowing a few of the boys that have played in Narbonne and knowing what they pay people, what they pay my friends' as salaries, that it's just not the same league. Michael Checker is one of the most renowned coaches in the world. He's coached at the top end of the game for 10, 15 years. Would he go to Narbonne purely as a consultant because he's bored and he lives in the area? I have no idea, but they're not going to be able to pay him properly. So I can't see it happening. I don't know, Benji, if you've got other intel. Zero. Uh, yeah, I, I can't see it happening. But it's a huge one um, if they pull it off. And again, it's two ex-teammates of mine that are at Narbonne, the coaches, Brees Mack and Julian Saron. So they're go- both good blokes as well. It's just not going right for them. So fingers crossed they can uh, they can pull it back around and start building some results. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not that I don't care. It's that I have zero input to have on, on Narbonne. I think it's been a complicated last sort of decade when, what is it? Uh, Rocky Elsom, I think, was there, was sort of president and then he was yep. a player and then... I'm like, listen, I don't think that's the way forward. Now, can Michael Checker come and consult for a little bit? Yes, of course, he's a top coach. If they can manage to do it, good. If they can't, that's not the future. So let's, I hope they, they are serious about, about building decent rugby there because it's one of the, oh, how do you say, ancestral, historical sort of, uh, you know, south southeast um, uh, club in France. And it's really important for them to be there. Uh, no, the, the only point that I was going to make in terms of your transfer, I didn't notice how well uh, La Rochelle are doing. I just saw that, that Tonga uh, signed there, the back row from racing, who's really yep. talented. But they also signed um, Jean-Henri Colomb, the mad, ginormous, tighted prop. Yep. That, that came, that was pretty much under the radar. Like, I, I didn't really hear about him uh, going there. They obviously signed Teddy Thomas too. Yep. That's some serious signings. And they're like mm-hmm. French, Gif, and going there, that's great. I think Bordeaux also uh, are on the verge, or have, or I don't know, have signed Tani Vili and, and Sipili Falatea. Both Gif, both young from from Clermont and stuff, so both super talented. Uh, there's some seriously good signings happening in the in in the background. If Ronan Ogara is still there, uh, there will be a proper squad for La Rochelle. He will be. That's the other one. We uh, we didn't talk about that over the past couple of weeks, but the fact that he was then as the Munster head coach left and he's gone to Bath for next season, but and everybody jumped in it. Ogara's going. He's going to go, but. He's six months into a three-year deal, which I imagine would be a fairly big, hefty deal with La Rochelle. There was no way he was going to get out. Like, Munster don't have the cash. Nobody's got COVID cash, so they can't pay these types of transfer fees, even for coaches. 
Um, but he ruled himself out. But yeah, as you mentioned, they've signed some talented, talented kids that are doing already some amazing things in top 14, and they're just going to get stronger and stronger. And the more he stays, the more they settle, they're going to be some team over the next two, three seasons. They're going to be seriously good. And you mentioned Bordeaux, Benji. We've spoken a bit in recent weeks about speculation around Christoph Aureus's future, but he signed a new contract on Monday, so definitely staying, Johnny. Till 2025, I think. Uh, and that's it. He had another year to run on his contract, but it just shows how well thought of he is in France and how well they've played under him. And again, he's done such a good job. When I was at Cast, he was really good, like proper, proper coach. He did amazing things with Oynax as well, and he's doing it again with Bordeaux. And it's not by chance. It's because he's a top coach. So the fact they had one year left to run and they were trying to renegotiate and pin him down for two more years just highlights how, how much they, they think of him. And yeah, it's good for the club. It's good for them to have stability, which they haven't had in a long time, consistently in the top six with him at the helm. So it makes sense. Good coach, contract extension, well-earned and good on them. And a bit of a rumour about a man you both know as well, who I think probably qualifies for your tournament in Dubai now, Benji, but Agustin Creevy could be going to Bordeaux or Bayonne. Really? Well, good, good on him. I don't know. I think he's. Yeah, I think he was doing good in London Irish. Still is, yeah. Good player, top bloke. Um, not sure he can qualify for Dubai yet. I think he's actually too fit. You know, that's, <laughs> we, we don't accept people who are too fit. At least not in my league. Uh, but but he's a top bloke, and his time will come soon enough. He's been there, done that. I think he played with you, didn't he? Um, Montpellier, Montpellier, and he was just transferring from back row to to hooker, and still doing incredibly well. No, he's, 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 a, he's a top top operator, very good hooker, very good on the bases. And if he needs to finish in, in Bordeaux and stuff where there's still, quite, I think, Menadier resigned for a year, I just saw. And they've got Lamotte and stuff. So no, no, if he goes there in the rotation, he'll still bring bring something. He, he still has a lot to offer. Any other rumors, Johnny? Danny Perzo moving from La Rochelle to Lyon. The Lucid prop, I think that's confirmed. Mika Ivaldi moving from Lyon to Stade Francais. And that's another one that's been confirmed. And look, it'll just keep on going because now, especially with the 10s, we talked with Ehi West last week about his move. But once two or three pieces start to move, it goes quickly and it goes fast. And now is the time that everything gets signed traditionally in the rugby world six months out. Normally for most people, for most decent players, it's signed and, and it's sealed now. So over Christmas and January, there'll be loads of people signed up. So we've seen all the big teams like La Rochelle snapping people up. We'll see probably... Your old mate, Morgan Parra, decide where he's going over the next few weeks and that'll be announced. So um, yeah, some big ones due to be announced over the next few weeks. And speaking of transfers and money, the top 14 and Predator owners met in Leon last week and it looks like the salary cap in the top 14 is going to be cut to 10 million euros by 2024. So how do you think that'll affect things? Because it's still significantly more, almost double the amount in the premiership, I think. You can't compare with the premiership, mate. Because there's no marquee player. So start counting the premiership with including the two marquee players, and then we can start comparing things. They're reducing from two to one as well, the premiership, I think, the marquee players. So when there's one guy that's off the books or two guys that are off the books, it's just not relevant to, to compare the two. I, I don't know whether it's the way to go. I haven't seen any any extraordinary um uh, holes of uh, financial holes, uh, even post COVID and stuff. And I think that I saw a really good article the other day that it was really interesting to see that La Rochelle, Toulouse, and, and Bordeaux, I think, were the three clubs that actually in French rugby were sort of leading the way in terms of generating a real economy and actually basing their whole success into a real economy. And I remember how I used to tell you how Toulouse were absolutely shaken like a leaf 
when COVID happened, when your main sponsor is Airbus and, and you know, they're losing billions every trimester, it's a complicated moment to go and ask them for a check to, uh, to renew a sponsorship, a sporting sponsorship. And they did incredibly well. Um, so all those teams are, are hopefully winning. It's not hopefully, but are winning over, you know, the huge un- endless checkbooks of the Montpellier's, the, the Stade Francais, uh, the potentially racing, you know, all, the, all those teams. And, um, and that's what's proven to be, to be successful. So that's very, very healthy. Do they need to touch on the, the salary cap even more? I don't know. I think clubs just want to say, listen, the future is uncertain. You can't th- start throwing money left, right, and center. For one, it's not productive. For two, it's not sustainable. And for three, you can put a tremendous amount of, of pressure that then will have implications on the way that teams actually play and the decisions that they take. So... I think I think it's good, but you can't even compare it to the Premiership as long as the marquee players are not in. I think it's good. I think it's positive. I think it obviously is a push in the direction of sustainability. Like you mentioned, the endless days of checkbooks being open needs to finish. I think that means also there we've already seen it with the GIF change, but there'll be another push in the direction of youth. So you'll see loads more kids coming in, getting more game time on smaller contracts and developing, which is only positive for French rugby as well. And the last one I think is great is actually it closes the gap a little bit on Pro Deux. So for anybody that comes up from Prodi Do to get into that realm of the mass salary or the, or the salary cap and, and compete, it's almost impossible. So if we can ju- reduce it a little bit in France, it might make it a little bit easier to bridge that gap for teams from Prodi Do. So like already the budgets have always been bigger in France. It's just the way we, I know we can talk about the marquee player or, or not, but the federation budgets for the other countries have always been slightly less. Budgets in top 14 have always been bigger. We've always had the best players, the best foreign players have always been in the top 14. It's always been the way. So I think if we can drop it a little bit, encourage more young French kids to come through, bridge that gap to Prodi Do and make it more sustainable while we do it, like those are all positive things. So and I think it's good. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Benji. And thanks to all you guys for listening throughout 2021 as well. If you haven't done already, make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can. Don't forget, you can check us out on Rugby Pass as well as on YouTube. And we'll be back for more in 2022 have a great christmas and new year guys joyeux noël that, that means merry christmas Tim. <laughs> that's what it means and bonne année meilleur vœu meilleur vœu meilleur vœu i was waiting for johnny's french bon fête à tout merry christmas boys Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.